Welcome to the Reticle Up Podcast, where I, Three Gun Kenzie, will be interviewing competitive shooters, hunters, fishermen, archers, entrepreneurs, and outdoorsmen. Come learn with me as I interview people from all walks of life, in different disciplines, all across the world, from novices to professionals of all ages. No matter what, everyone has something they can teach you. So come join me on the journey. Welcome back to the Red Glot Podcast. I've got Kevin Bearden on uh, this this episode. So he's competitive USBSA shooter, kind of shoots everything, limited, carry optics, uh, PCC now, which we'll talk about. Um, and he's also part of the, the Tallahassee Practical Shooters, which is where I started shooting in general. So Kevin, hi. <laughs> Hello. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good tonight. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for coming on. I kind of missed the, the OG club down there. Yeah, no kidding. It's uh, I, I've, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I'm like, I think it would be really cool to be on one. So this is, this is going to work out well, hopefully. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So um, yeah, to kick right, kick things off, right? Um, how long have you been shooting guns in general? So basically, I mean, I had a granddad that had a bunch of guns growing up. Now um, he lived in another state. So I shot guns. It was kind of a get together on Thanksgiving, Christmas holidays and stuff like that. We always shot guns, but um, I really didn't get to start shooting a lot until um, I always hunted and stuff. But when, once I turned 21, I was able to buy my first handgun. That's when I kind of really got into um, shooting, you know, on my own. Yeah. What was the first handgun that you bought? It was a, a Smith & Wesson Sigma, and I don't know if you're familiar with those, mm-hmm. but it's basically, it looks just like a Glock 19. I mean, it had metal magazines, but it was basically the same size as a Glock 19, and there was a big ordeal with Glock suing them because it was almost a copy of the gun. It was it was a really good gun, you know, um, but that was the first handgun I ever bought myself. That's pretty cool. They just had that thing with, like, the company that tried to replicate theirs, what they call it? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. I just read about it the other day, but I can't remember what it was called. So they've had a lot of like imitators. <laughs> oh yeah, the block, the block nineteen. It was the block nineteen. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, this this was like the very first copy, kind of with a hinge trigger and stuff like that. But yeah, it was a good gun. Yeah. Did you know what you were doing when you went down to buy it, or just kind of winging it? I did not believe it or not, and this is no joke. <laughs> I went to. Um, buy a high point that's how much i knew about guns at the time i had gone to a small it was like a hole in the wall gun store in small town cairo georgia Mm -hmm. and i'd always looked at a bunch of guns and stuff up there and so i'm like okay i'm going up there you know i lived in georgia at the time and went to buy a gun and they were at a high point (laughs) so no kid this is no joke so i looked over i saw this one luckily it worked out well knowing what i know now but you know it, it is what it is Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I, I remember because I had to go, I had to go back and get some more cash at ATM because this gun was like 150, 200 bucks more than the high like price. real was. price. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. But I had, I, I knew nothing about them. You know, I'd always owned rifles and stuff like that. So. And the people at the gun stores, they don't actually know anything to help you out either. No. And that, that's a whole thing we could talk about going into Bass Pro and Academy and hearing these guys behind the counter. And, and I, I never step in Well, I rarely step in, but sometimes after these people leave the counter, I'll be like, Hey, you know, this is what I do. This is how much I shoot. You know, this is try to lead them in the right direction because, you know, and then the guys behind the counter, they truly think they do know what they're talking about. That's, that's the scary thing. 
and they, they don't say, I don't know. It's, it's, it's the biggest thing in this industry is it's okay to say, I don't know, but I know someone right. will, or I'll find out. Um, yeah, we, we okay. digress, but I was curious about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it's hard not to step in. I've done that twice, but yeah, somebody came up to me to try and interrupt when I was trying to figure out if I want to get a revolver for teaching, like teaching the external hammer, right. Or get my right. gun that was there. And this guy, of course, interrupts me talking to my friend to tell me about his old lady carries this gun, right? And I was like, sir, I shoot 100,000 rounds a year and I'm a professional right. instructor. So thank you. Right. Do you know what purpose I'm buying these for? No, bye. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So frustrating, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, it is. But, you know, normally I just keep walking and, and let them let them be. I know. <laughs> no, no, they'll figure out. So um, when did you actually start shooting like competitively? So my first match was a steel match. Um, it was back in about 2013, I think. Um, and we and we can get into more about later, but I just happened to come across an ad on Facebook from Talon. Really? That said they were having a steel match. Um, you know, I'd watched it on Shooting USA and stuff like that on Wednesday nights, but that's really all I've ever all I'd ever seen about it. So anyway, I shot a went out and shot a steel match, and that was in 2013 that I shot my first USPSA match. About I don't know a year later. That's awesome. That was right when I was getting into it at Tallahassee too. Yep. Like 2014 grad school is when I found shooting, which is too late by then, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Way too, way too late for me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember late. when the 20, that was when the 22 ammo was an issue back then. Yeah. Oh yeah. What yeah. I, I remember um, this place in, in Georgia that I used to buy ammo from, they would take up like the 500 round pound or pack bricks and they were putting them in like medicine canisters, selling them 50 rounds at a time. And I'm like, oh yeah. It was crazy. Ridiculous. It's awful. Um, so, okay. You saw the, the shooting stuff. Did you know anybody at the club when you were going to that match or were you just going by yourself, like signed up? Just signed up. That was a, um, it wasn't long after talent. Cause you know, they used to do the USPSA matches out of TRPC hmm. and um, I'd read about matches out there, but I'd never been, but this was not long after talent opened. And um, I didn't know anybody out there. I didn't, I just saw it on there. So I uh, made a trip out there, signed so- up. Did you meet Parks and the crew and Bob and them then? <laughs> yeah, so I met, well, Bob came along a lot later, but that was where I met John and Dave yeah. um, and Parks. One of my first matches, you know, was with those guys. So that that was a good group of guys actually to come come across. You know, John was running the matches at the time. Him yeah. and his wife Carmen were running those matches, so. I miss those days. Man, I get to shoot with yeah. John actually in, next month at Georgia State. And I cannot wait because it's been years since Tallahassee that I've gotten to shoot with John. Yep, yep. He's seen me since my childhood in shooting now. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he, he doesn't shoot a whole bunch of local matches every now and then he comes out, but he still shoots some level twos and stuff like that. So yeah. And then. Yeah. So how did the first match go? <laughs> um, you know, I had gone to, I was basically like any new shooter where you go out to the range, you stand there and shoot and stuff like that. But I, I had worked on some draws and stuff like that, you know, so I, it wasn't, really new to me the timer was was new to me um that's a whole different world you know when you get introduced to that but i had drawn out of the holster some so it, it went well i mean it was i wasn't like a real real major newbie but you know to competition it was it was something different it's awesome. addicting the first time it is from the start and that's every everybody that i've talked to why did you go back after you know a painful match or your first match because it never goes well and you're like oh i'm addicted we all get it right yeah oh yeah no doubt about it Oh man. So you were running the the gun you had bought, the handgun. No. So (laughs) I'd been through a couple of guns since then. Um, 
Let's see, I bought the Smith & Wesson first, and then I bought, I think my very first match I shot was with a Glock 23, a 40 caliber. Steel yeah. Jack. So I didn't, and we'll get into more of the rules and stuff later, but I, like a bunch of people, went out there. You know, I saw steel competition. I went out there and signed up. There was no practice score online at that time. We were, we were doing all paper scoring. Yep. You know, so you basically, they had a, they had a big dry erase board, and you checked in and you put your name on the dry race board, you know, and that's who you squatted with. So I didn't, I didn't know any of the rules, you know, I, I, I mean, generalization of, I have to fire five shots, but you right. know, other than that, you know, I was a brand newbie. <laughs> Don't you think uh, nowadays new shooters should probably read the rule sets? <laughs> yes. We'll yes. get into that, but that's yeah. a big mistake right there off the bat. <laughs> yep. That's right. That's right. And the guys that you shoot with, um, you didn't know any of them like that you that you know now, right? That was the, nope. that was the introduction. Yep, that was the first. I mean, there was not a single person out there that I knew. Wow. And like now you have family in the firearms community. Yeah, yeah. Now that like those are the guys that I hang out with all the time. I've never seen one without the other two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, and some of them travel more than I do because they don't have kids at the house. But yeah. you know, it's uh, it's just crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. new new shooters i've never seen a new shooter come in and not be treated like welcomed you know no but nobody's ever been like yeah what are you doing here anything like that or god you're terrible yeah. you know and and so it's it's you know it's pretty welcoming to have people like that yeah so um for still challenge like or you're going to say the usbsa what like gear did you first get just when you were getting started and like how long did you run that gear so <laughs> So I had the Glock 23 and I had a Glock Sport Combat holster. I don't know if you're familiar with those, but they're like, they sell them for the large frame Glocks. It's like one holster that fits every model Glock. Not the right gun or not the right holster. Yeah, it can can either go on your right side or left side. It has wings on it and it just, I wish I had one. I almost, I know I've probably got one somewhere around here to look it up, but you know, um, back then I was like, this thing is cool because that's what I carried with and stuff like that too. I had, they had mag pouches that were the same way that would fit on either side of your body. And um, I had a Phobos, two Phobos or like a Phobos double, I think, you know? Yep. Yeah. So the basic starter USPSA steel challenge is what I had, whatever I could piece together. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember John though and and Greg at Talon had pulled out the Connex belts for me to use. Yeah pretty cool and like blade tech double yeah. Pouches. Yeah. Oh, yeah so how long did you run that before actually figuring out like what division or what gun you wanted to shoot and really investing into all of that so i shot steel with that for a long time you know all the way up until i started uspsa um and i remember my first couple matches i shot steel it was probably Dave or Parks, you know, telling me about USPSA, how it was so much fun or I needed to come out. Of course, I did the same thing everybody does. I came out the first time to watch it and didn't bring any equipment. You get out there and you're like, damn, I wish I would have brought some guns and stuff because this is awesome. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, even though I, I didn't know the single first single rule about USPSA. But anyway, so I shot my very first USPSA match was actually a classifier match. Oh. So I came right into classifier, you know. That's horrible way to um, start, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, but... Yeah, on one hand it was, but, you know, on the other, you're not doing a whole bunch of running around, which kind of gets a lot of new shooters in trouble, you know, because back then all the classifiers were stand and shoot. Right. You know, there there wasn't any, you might have to move around the barricade and reload or something like that, but that was, you know, reloading those mag pouches that are like tight right against your body, disaster, you know, they're flying out. And the magazines that I had, 
So I had enough magazines, but I'd gone online and bought like these old used law enforcement trade-in magazines. So they'd been beat to crap and back and they had, you know, they wouldn't stay, you know, they wouldn't come out and you had to pull them out and stuff like that. But I ran that for probably about, I don't know, four or five months until I realized I've, I've got to get something a little better than this. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're right though, that we'll get into the new shooters and moving, but, um, I feel like all classifier matches, I shot the only one in Tallahassee a couple years ago to get the, the PCC down and limited. They're horrible. You expect like, Oh, I'll be here. I don't want to get this high. No, really. You go lower than you ever thought. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 It never works. I mean, when I, back when I was shooting limited, I was the same way. I, the only bumps I ever got were, were um, level twos, mm-hmm. you know, because I would blow it on the classifiers. And you're like, well, this is a six reload six. This is nothing to it, you know. But I don't know something about them just standing there. It just kind of throws you off to it. Horrible, horrible. And I zero, zero to couple there. Yeah. Or point one it and yeah. like, right. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. So, okay. All the way up to now, uh, what gun do you shoot now and what division? So I shoot carry optics primarily. Um, I have started to shoot PCC. Um, you know, every couple months I'll pull out the PCC and shoot it, but I shoot carry optics for the most part, Glock 34. I actually just got a Gen 5. Um, so that's what I've been shooting here the last couple months. That's awesome. That's exciting. Um, yeah. And then like starting out, I guess we'll, we'll go on in USPSA. Did you hop around different divisions, like see what you like to shoot or you know, what did you go into? So I started off in production. I was shooting 40 in production, major, major off the shelf power, fa- you know, major power factor ammo. And like I said, I didn't know any, and we've done this and we can talk more about us running matches now, some things that we tried to help the new shooters out with. Um, I didn't really get that. It was just like, you know, I want to shoot production. I knew that division and a lot of parks and all of them were shooting that division at the time as well, you know? And uh, so I shot, you know, 40 in major in production for a while. Mm, and um so then i got a um then i got a police trade-in from the kentucky state patrol glock 35 still not knowing what i was doing yet you know but i'm like i'd read some into it you know this is the practical tactical model i've got to have that and it was it was dirt cheap back then but i remember it was so funny because realistically those guns for the most part are not shot at you know i mean i work closely with some deputies up in Georgia, and those most of those guys shoot less than 200 rounds a year for qualification. Terrifying, you know. But this was a this was a SWAT team gun, so it had been shot a bunch. Well, they don't do anything with those guns when they ship them back. They throw them in a box, and they just get sold as is. Oh wow! So yeah, I buy this gun, and like the first time out of the range, the trigger won't reset. Well, I, at the time, I didn't know anything about Glocks, you yeah. know, nothing. Um, and that's when I started figuring it out. But anyway, so I I bought the 35 got some mags and I bought a, a lone wolf conversion barrel okay. and I was shooting nine mil. you know, now I know conversion barrels are not legal at a level <laughs> two match, but I was, shooting, I was shooting them locally at the time, you know, no big deal. Um, and then, um, and ammo was fairly cheap back then. I mean, it was uh, actually really cheap when I started. I know. You know? Um, <laughs> me but, as a college kid could get into it then, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, um, Anyway, when I would go to level two matches, I would buy Atlanta Arms 40 minor ammo. They were loading. For, I don't know if they still load 40 M or minor, but they were back then. Yeah. You know, and I didn't know any difference. It was 30 cents around, which was outrageous back then. Man, yeah. You know, but that's what I was shooting. And it was a much better gun to shoot, obviously, than the uh, 
than the 23 was. Hell yeah. Good job, Kevin. So, and then <laughs> I will point this out. I feel like there's a lot of locals that are just like, it's fine for local. And then they repeat it at a major. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, truthfully, I, I don't know whether they would have ever known had I done that at a major, you know, but, you know, you spend 180 bucks or something like that in your hotel room and trip like that. You're not going to take a chance. No. You know, so, um, and there are some things that, that, that do, we let slide, you know, at, at, at level ones, which I'm sure most ranges do, yeah. you know, but yeah. especially to welcome new shooters, you know, you don't want to send somebody home the first day because they don't know the rules, yeah. you know, the first or second match. But anyway, so jumping around, yeah, I shot that. I shot 40 miler for a while. And then I'm, once I got into it and realized, learned more about the rules and stuff like that and the divisions, I'm like, well, I got a 40 caliber gun. I should be shooting limited. You know, I'm losing. So yep. I, I had bought, um, I'd went, I got a CR speed, speed belt. Yep. I bought three Safari Land mag pouches used, which I still use to this day. You are the most say, thrifty shooter we'll get into it ever. Yes. Not really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, I bought those mag pouches. Um, I bought TTI base pads, which was really hard to buy, you know. <laughs> and I actually bought those used off somebody as well, which, um, so I bought those and I started shooting. 40, you know, I got the Terran tactical sights, you know, I had the Glock about as decked out as you could have a, a Glock and then started shooting limited, you know, and I shot that for a few years. Wow. Wow, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So do you still like enjoy, you know, hopping around different divisions or focusing? Yeah, on I mean, um, I, I, I think I'm gonna stick with carry option. It, once you go to a dot or any high, you know, I, I liked limited. It, it was, um, you know, the, the reloading was never that much of an issue, but the less you got to do of it, the better it is. I mean, it's just a reality, you know, and, uh, and so I like shooting 40. And of course, you know, the points helped out a lot in local matches. I started getting better with that, you know, yep. and creeping up towards the top. But once carry optics was announced, I bought a 30 Glock 34. It was not the MOS version. Okay. Yeah. And, Cause this is before uh, I even had that. That was new to me even. Yeah, yeah. So um, once I had that, I was like the first one at our club to start shooting that. And I saw, so I bought the dovetail mount that you mount, you know, it's a plate that slides in. So I bought that. And, you know, the, the dot is like sitting like this high off the top of the, like it's got a riser on it. But, it, you know, the, the thing about that is, is you, um, you can get used to anything. I yeah. mean, it doesn't matter what the gun is. You can, you can get uh, used to shooting it. So I did, and it, it really worked fine. And I'm like, man, this dot, it's the speed of it yeah. just draws you into it, you know? Um, and the same thing, the, going from production to limit, I mean, when you're shooting production, you got to shoot alphas. There, you yeah. just have to, Yeah. you know? And, um, you know, you take somebody like Parks who shoots with us, he's really, really accurate. You know, I, I was never that accurate so it benefited me to shoot limited because yep. i could there's charlies i could make up with with my movement and the same thing with carry optics it just it just took it to the next level you know and yeah. so i used the dot for a while and it got to where it was like I'd, I'd get to a match and the plate would be slid out this far to the right and i have to bang it back in and put some loctite on it and stuff like yeah <laughs> so i was like i've got to do something about this and I was obviously not going to buy a brand new gun because this gun was still new, you know. Oh, I mean, Kevin, we don't buy new stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm not going to buy that. So anyway, <laughs> I send it to um, Primary Machine. They have like a, a Valentine's Day deal or something like that to get your 
So I buy uh, Burris Fast Fire 3 is what I had on there, and I send it off to get it milled. Oh. Um, and it worked out great. That, that is great. The only thing about getting a gun milled is if you do something like a Burris, you are stuck with that footprint forever. Yeah. You know, so that's the case I'm with that gun. You know, I've been shooting this new one now. I'll keep the other one as a backup, but, right. you know, I'd, I'd almost like to have a, another blank slide to use for a production gun if I ever shot that again. Yeah, that does suck. You know. Yeah. yeah. Milling, milling takes it out. That's why I think the innovations that I see with companies like Walther and HK and all the companies now that have the plate, it's just a game changer and multiple plates, different dots. Yeah. That's the cool thing. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely the way to go because five years from now there's going to be something better there's always going to be something better and if you yeah. don't, if you're stuck with that one i mean if you do an rmr footprint they're basically they're probably going to have that that footprint for a long long time you know yeah. um but you know the, the cooler stuff always comes out and you got to have the cooler stuff well, for sale though <laughs> yeah that's right that's right on sale oh <laughs> <laughs> you that's right Oh, uh, and high cap or low cap is for the birds. High cap is where it's at. That's I'm like, I'm never shooting low cap ever again in my life. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And then, then, then shooting the PCC, I actually, um, I shot a buddy's PCC for a classifier much just to get classified. I don't know, a couple years ago. And, um, it wasn't parks and it, that didn't run, correct? Yeah, it was parks, but it ran at the time. Yeah. It doesn't run for me though. Of course. And mine. we can get all this. We can get all into that gun later too, but it's a whole different story. Damn it, Parks. I remember shooting good. Parks. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just kind of go back and forth from, um, you know, it, there, I hate to say it, but it, it's a game. Yeah. You know, so like when me and Bob went and shot the, the Pro-Am down in Volusia County. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm an A-class, almost master in carry optics, and I'm a B in PCC. I'm taking the PCC down there. You know what I mean? Because I know I'm a better shooter than B yeah. in PCC, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I just, the classifiers just, the classifiers are so high up in PCC, man. It's just crazy. I know. You know, um, it, uh, getting up class now, but I'm not far from A now, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I, that's the thing that I have found is that I'm having more fun shooting PCC, my limited minor, just enjoying life. Um, yep. That's one of my questions. Like, what do you recommend people do to like get started, like picking a division? Most new shooters, if they come out to sign a fire match and it's their first match, we will put them in limited minor. Nice. For a couple reasons. You know, they show up, you just say somebody shows up with a Walther and what's the stock magazine? 17? Yeah. 15, 17. So, you know, you put them in production and you take somebody who's never shot a match before. Now they got to reload four times during a stage. Yeah. That's going to hate you it. Know, that, that's right. That's a lot of work. So limited minor is the way to go. I mean, um, you know, you can get your feet wet doing all that. You can probably, you can still practice your reloads and stuff like that, but you can focus mostly on shooting, you know, and, and moving around the stage. To me, that's the easiest way. Yeah. And get, know, a gun get, that, started. get a gun that locks back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I mean, you get something that runs and that's the thing, you know, nobody needs to go out and buy a brand new gun, you know, a $5,000 gun starting to match off, you know, you, you can be competitive. Um, you know, with just about anything, minus the high point, probably. <laughs> but <laughs> you never know. I mean, these these guys, you take Max Michelle or something, they'll kill us with a high point. There's That's no doubt. That's true. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> break so, on a stage and he'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you know, and a lot. That's the thing, and that's the thing about the rules is people show up. You know, they have two magazines. We do we deal with this a lot in steel. You know, they'll come to a steel match, 
and they'll have two 10 round magazines. So they have to have a buddy or, and we don't mind loading for them at all because they don't know, you yeah. know, but I mean like Glock mags are so cheap. You can buy the mag pull ones. Now they're dirt cheap, you know? Yeah. You but limited minor is the way to go. Yeah. And you need the, you need the like least amount, but of necessary gear just makes it a little bit easier. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. So if you had to pick like one division though for you to stay in, would it be PCC or would it be carry optics? I'd probably shoot carry optics. I mean, yeah. I, I enjoy shooting the pistol. I mean, the, 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 the AKB is the bomb. I mean, it's the coolest gun ever, but um, I enjoy shooting the handgun more, you know, yeah. um, so I'll yeah. stick with that for a while. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. If you could tell yourself something early on uh, that would lessen like the learning curve or make you more successful to start, what would it have been? Um, I would, I would dry fire more. <laughs> I would dry fire more. I mean, um, I do pretty much what I do in my spare time is watch shooters. I mean, I, I study it, you know, uh, uh, videos constantly watch it. Um, and you know, I, I'm not the best at doing dry fire on a regular basis, but it does help. You yeah, know, it does help. Not necessarily to me, if, if, you know, if I'm working with a, a brand new shooter, I would not worry about focusing on the draw it's not going to win you a match or lose you a match no you know um reloads more than likely are not going to win or lose you a match you know it's just such a small amount of time you know but your transitions and stuff like that your movement is is where you pick up the big time so that's what i would have worried more about you know yeah yeah i like that for sure i like that maybe take a class early on too that's what i probably would have told myself yeah that I, and I, and I have never taken a class, um, of any kind, mostly due to the money. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, and, and realistically you can find guys that put on classes that are fairly good price. What you would pay for a level two match. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, um, so it, it's, it's something that beginning shooters, if you have to do it, do it because those guys can get you so far ahead of the curve. You know I mean? I've watched thousands and thousands of hours of video to just to get where I'm at today you yeah. know, that, that somebody could have probably helped me if I took a Steger class or, you know, Travis Tomasi or something like that could have helped me in a couple hours. Oh, hundred percent. I've seen you move and shoot. You could be a GM. <laughs> yeah. I know you yeah, can. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay. So going back, all right, let's talk about USPSA. Um, cause that's mainly kind of what you shoot. Uh, what percentage this is this the hard question <laughs> of people? Do you know that shoot USPSA who haven't read the rules? Oh, easily 90%. <laughs> I, I would say outside of the division rules, most people don't read the rules at all. I mean, including myself until I took the RO class, you know, I knew the rules. I knew the scoring rules, the stuff that would get me by in a match. That's what I read. But I can tell you, there's a lot of shooters. There's, there's shooters that, you know, have been shooting with us for a year or longer that still don't know a lot of the rules. They just rely on others there to yeah. kind of guide you. Now, that's the other problem. It's like the blind leading the blind so often because you've got ROs that say, oh, it's one thing or, oh, it's this thing. And the PCC is coming to play a lot. Like it has to be up. No, it says up or down. Like, yep. you know, and, and now that they have the app on, on my phone, like I pulled the rule set and I, I hate that. So people listening, I would love it if everyone read the rules or didn't so much like Kevin, I, I believe you, but I'm going to read it for myself. So don't take so much right. stock into what somebody else says. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people that have been shooting for a long time 
that think they, you know, know some rules that they don't, including myself, you know. I mean, now, in a level one match, you can basically make it through with, with no major scoring discrepancies and stuff like that, you know. But, I mean, even certified ROs, you know, the, the, the RO class is good. It does teach you a lot of stuff, but it doesn't cover one-third of all the rules that you need to know. Yeah. Especially if you're going to be a CRO at a level two or level three or something like that. You know, you, you have to kind of just sit down and study that stuff. Yeah. Painful question for you. Um, and I was going to say the other thing people do, they interpret the rules from their own perspective rather than what does the rule say. Um, shooting, I guess, because I didn't shoot with like the actual main match for, for USPSA two gun. How different were the ROs from stage to stage knowing multi-gun rules? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> Um, I didn't know the multi-gun rules other than we sat down and kind of went over the stuff to keep us from having to go home early, you know, like ditching guns and stuff like that. And, you know, the, the thing about, you know, um, reholstering a hot gun, I, I knew that was legal. I wasn't about to do it. I did. But, um, I, I saw a couple people. I saw Todd Jarrett did it on one stage. Yeah. The one stage I probably would have done it on that I saw Todd Jarrett and several other people did it on, you know, but um yeah, it seems the, the RO seemed to be pretty good for me for, from okay. what I, you know, I, I, there wasn't anything that I would have said, no, that's wrong, you know, other than I did shoot through the fence one time. <laughs> and I can't say that I knew the rule on this either, but uh, maybe you know the rule on this, but I, th I think I nicked the wood on the way. It's just one of these hard leans with my PCC, yeah. you know, and that's, I mean, like, and we'll get into stage design and stuff like that too, but, you know, it was a whole bullet hole on the target, you know, but I'm not going to argue. I'm not going to argue with RO. Yeah. I'm, I'm literally, I'm not going to go. It's not the end of the world for me. You you make whatever call you make. I'm good right. with it. I'm not going to let it ruin my match, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not so, at that, that level, I guess, of have to have that point. Or <laughs> right. Um, but no, that's right. Abandoning guns and, and hot reholstering is not something that you see in USPSA against me, two gun USPSA multi-gun. That's important. Like I, I had people panic when somebody put their PC on the ground and drew their gun and stayed stationary. That's legal. Yeah. Yeah. Don't freak out. <laughs> yeah. I never, I never saw that happen, but uh, I thought I would. I thought I would. Cause it was several years ago. It was like a big thing. Somebody did it like three gun nationals. Right. And, and, and it's like within three yards or something like that. Yeah. Three feet. Yeah, and, uh, uh, Dissident did that. Lan and Mike both did. That was their their game plan. And the junior, I think that one junior, I want to believe, or someone that they brought. I can't remember. Maybe not junior because Justine beat the everybody. I think. Right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. the the rules are different, and there's a big difference in rules again from multi gun to from USBSA because like holsters are totally different. You don't have to have the um, retention in three gun and all the stuff that right. people panic about. So. All right, maybe I'll spitball here. What are some like unique rules in the sport that a lot of shooters maybe don't know that you think are important, like obscure ones or people that don't come up? Oh, I don't know. I feel like that um, was one though, abandoning. Yeah, yeah, that was one definitely. I think that would freak people out. I mean, especially even ROs. If you were oh. to do that, if we had a two-gun match locally, if you were to, you know, just drop that thing, people would not know what to do. I mean, they would stop you. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. You know, and had I not seen it happen before a couple of times, you know, it'd probably freak me out too, you know. Um, but there's nothing really crazy that I can think about, you know. I mean, there's um, yeah, nothing I can really think off the top of my head that's just, you know, crazy rules. Yeah. But I mean, if you go to a higher level, thinking about people don't know how to advocate for themselves on overlays or that the the target can be pulled or 
you know, a lot of that and arbitration is even a thing and there's a, a window of time that you can arbitrate. Right. So like there's, yep. there's stuff that you need to know, I guess, um, at a higher level. I thought it was really interesting too, when people would shoot the same target on two gun with the same gun. So I was like, that's not a hit on the correct target with the right gun. So it doesn't count, but the bullet holes are the same. So you have to have eyes on. Yeah. And that's the one thing I think, um, and I think they had plenty of ROs, um, at, at the two gun match, but that's, that's one thing, you know, you get somebody like Max that's burning through with this PCC and an open gun. You got to have guys watching girls watching too, you know, I mean, because, um, you know, you get those targets close together. He burns so fast. You don't even know what he's shooting at. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I had probably over a hundred FTSAs on my stage and there was some guy I remember that argued or wanted to argue, right? She's like, I shot that. I totally did. And the wife who was videoing, I know it doesn't count, but it doesn't count. And the wife goes, no, you didn't. Uh-huh. <laughs> you yeah, can watch yeah. it later. <laughs> she made the right call. I was like, I didn't even know her. I was like, oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's, a, um, that's a big one, but I think it was good. That was, you know, that worked out well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, but knowing, I feel like knowing like the penalties as well, like I think production round count matters, you know, <laughs> making sure you don't have over, over amount of mags. That was the hardest thing in shooting limited 10 is that it's all steel mags. So you can't see the dots. So you have to unload. Yeah reload and unload yeah that's a pain that's a that's a do the same thing with the akv mags i'm like you gotta unload 30 freaking rounds out of this thing right now to count them you know but uh, um yeah and see the first level two match i ever shot i shot the east alabama um yeah east alabama it was back when the alabama section was there way back in the day and i was shooting production and um I didn't know about that you could Barney load the first mag so you know i'm running i'm running the slide lock on every array and I remember I came back and I wish I could remember this guy's name. He used to be kind of big in the shooting. I don't see him. Anyway, he said, how many rounds you put in those mags? And I'm like 10. He said, well, you know, you can load 11 on the first one. And I was like, what? <laughs> and so he sat me down and kind of explained it to me, you know, and I'm like, oh man, that's going to change the world. For that me. makes sense. Yeah. And like, so, uh, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say, how often do you over grip and you don't have the slide lock back or me, I have a competition follower. So I go click. <laughs> yeah then you have a whole lot more time on the clock for just reloading yeah and see that's another thing like with with new shooters and stuff like that you know running the slide lock every magazine you know that's just it's just little stuff like that that help you go a long way yeah you know starting off early there's just so much though it's a lot um and knowing the stages too, I think it was really important. You can't have arrays more than eight rounds because of major power factor with different divisions. So that sets the tone where, oh, production, you got 10, you will always have enough unless you're missing steel or <laughs> you're taking yeah. a different position. So those stuff, that stuff is really important to, to look at, especially even at locals. I know it's not, it's not the place really to be harping on it, but if you're setting up stages where there's, you know, 14 standing targets, that's not going to be conducive to a revolver or single stack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seeing the PCC guys, they'll burn through that. They'll kill you or the open guys, you know, it's just not even a competition. Right. Yeah. That's what does suck. You want to go fast and win and stuff, but you always know that the gun is going to be, or the division is going to be a little bit of a limitation. Not always, but. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for us. That's right. Uh, so summing that little section up, why is it important for even the newest of shooters to read the rules? Yeah. So, well, first of all, so they can you know, it's going to help them have a better match. It's going to keep them from having to go home early, you know. Um, and, uh, you know, th so they can help themselves out. You know, if somebody makes a wrong call, even if, you, if it's your first match and you know the rules, you know, you can call them on it. If it's, a, you know, 
yeah. um, on the line, you know, or tears the perf or something like that, it's good to know all that stuff as much as you can going into the first one, you know, to kind of help yourself out. The more you know, the better. And even other divisions, so if you know, like you said, buddies rules of whether or not they can have that mag extension base powder, or all of these things that could save them from a match. Um, that's, yeah. It's huge. Yeah, I mean, I remember we had a guy show up, real nice guy. I haven't seen him since. Maybe this is why. But uh, he showed up, and uh, he had no idea about the scoring. So normally we have a new shooter's brief, okay. you know, where we kind of go over the basics. Don't break the 180, you know, listen to the stage brief, um, where you can load your mags, where you can check on your gun, stuff like that. And um, he, he didn't know the scoring. So he gets out there on the first stage, and he shoots all the brown and all the white targets for two rounds. He's burning through it, you know, and uh, I mean, we're not going to yell stop in the middle of it, but afterwards, you know, after you got 97 penalties, you know, you, that's really not the time, you know, so just the basic rule set, especially scoring, you know, um, you know, I mean, even like when I shot 40, that's not that big deal. I shot 40 in production. That's what I had at the time, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, but, but knowing the scoring will help <laughs> tremendously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What kills me on the, on, on perf stuff is, uh, not having two overlays guys. So a paster strip and an overlay is not an official thing. <laughs> right. Or just one, not a thing. Anyways. Yeah. Well, that's a, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> there's a lot of interpretation. That's the thing about the rules is there is a lot of interpretation is. that is done. And it's always, you, you get two guys that think, you know, the, the RO is going to end up winning or the, or the, you know, the range master is going to end up winning in the end. So it, it is what it is. It's like popper calibration. You know, if you don't knock the damn thing down, just move on. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, you know, or shoot it twice. It's much, you got a much better shot of shooting a popper twice and knocking it down than you having them come up there with a, you know, because it's going to fall. Yeah. It's fall just about every time. seen a, a calibration win yet. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I haven't either. I've always seen it fall. And <laughs> at Alabama Sectionals, my buddy who shot right before me, had two of those calls and the the rm was too like elderly i guess to shoot the gun anyways hit hit and he's like f you i was like i'm just doing my job you knew this though yeah i know um so you know in in in, in lines i mean it, it just depends it's they got the rules as good as they can i think but there is still some stuff that's kind of it, it's you know left up to interpretation so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. But that so only matters to the people who are, who are going to win the match anyway, really, you know, I mean, if you're going to be in 20th place and as opposed to 19th, it's, you know, it matters to you, but. Yeah. It depends on like, if you're trying to win your, your division or your class or whatever too. Um, right. And for me, it goes back to sometimes, not all the time. I'm an RO, I'm a zero, all of that did RO treat me kindly or are we going to have the sheriff that wants to you know throw a book at me all right i'll do the same thing <laughs> Let's yeah, that's right. time. <laughs> yep yep that's right that's right well no that's a lot of that but um okay going into local matches so when did you actually dive in to start helping out that uh tallahassee practical group so um john at the time was running i mean he was setting up four or five stages a month on his own this was before because I was like most shooters do. They just get into it. They don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. You show up, you pay your $20, you shoot the match, you get in your truck and go home, you yep. know. Um, and, and that's what I did for a while, you know. And and then you get to where, you know, you start to meet everybody and you're like, well, how come his park's staying after loading that trailer? What's he doing? Let me go over there and help. So anyway, you know, so 
John's schedule kind of got messed up with his job. And so anyway, we, we kind of do it as a group now. Like I said, Parks is the email contact person, but we kind of do it as a group. Dave does a lot of stuff. That's all you are, Parks. Have. You're the email contact. <laughs> but um, so it's been about three years since we kind of started doing that, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, okay, so what do you wish everyone knew or every new shooter knew about running matches or what it takes to run a match? Yeah, so a lot of people, and, and we harp on it now, we talk about it every, every you know, pre-match stage brief about, you know, um, we always thank the stage builders, what it takes to get built, you know, to get that stuff done. But until you come out there, you know, that's the thing. I think people who shoot matches should go up and help set up a match. You know, not you have to do it every month. I know people got stuff going on, and the same thing happens with us. But a couple times a year, get out and help the match director set up those stages, and then you'll appreciate it more. Yeah, if you think 12, 12 matches a year and you've got a group of six, do it with only two. If you break, again, what is it? More hands make less work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, and that's the thing. That's the biggest thing is, I mean, we have basically the same six or seven people that set up stages every single month. So, you know, and, and the average age is over 50, mm-hmm. you know, so th- those guys are going to be able to do that forever, you know, and I mean, you talk about, there was a match, I think it was, I don't know, about two summers ago, it was miserable, it was, we always set up Friday afternoon before, and the ground was so hard, you couldn't even hardly hammer it in, so we're out there for hours hammering these nails into the ground, and then you got to shoot the next day, you know what I mean, yeah. um, so I wish people kind of knew the, the setting up stuff on the iPad, that that's nothing. There's nothing to do that. Building the stages, you know, in the iPad, there's not much to that, um, yeah. you know, but behind the scenes and the registration, the day of, that drives me nuts. You know, we put it out in the email. As soon as you get to the match, come to registration. And then you got somebody that comes up when you're two minutes before you're going to do the stage roof. We already got the squad. You've deleted them because they haven't showed up yet. You know, and you got to add them all back in. It's crazy. It's really bad. That's when I feel like we should go back to paper backups and just, you're going to be on paper today and deal with it or your yeah. own iPad. I don't know. It's register beforehand, people. Yeah. Tell the match director if you can't come to a match because you might be holding up a squad spot that your buddy wanted. Um, That's right. Get there early, like, please, and don't register yeah. day of. So painful. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Never but other than that, I mean, just, just the helping out, you know, the more people you can get to help out, the, the easier it is on the match director. Yeah, you guys got a sick setup too because you've got your own comp base, you got your own trailer, you've got it's right there. It's not hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's worked out. I mean, it, it works out well out there. We've had some conflicts every now and then, you know, but we can. I mean, the good thing is they're always good about it if we need to bump a match because of rain. You know, we yeah. pretty good communication uh, for the most part with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. So, what's your favorite part uh, about running or uh, helping local matches there? Um designing stages and the, the best thing about designing stages at your local match and this and we tell this to people all the time is when you build your stage you can build your stage to your strength so if i'm going to shoot my you know if i'm going to shoot my pcc and i put those those six inch square targets you know at 35 yards my god you can do that you know and we're not going to turn anybody down because we need more help you know so you you can um you can, you can build it into your strength, you know, but I enjoy sitting at the computer and designing that kind of stuff. I don't enjoy nailing it in the ground so much, but, um, cause the, the thing about that is, um, is whatever you put on paper, it's going to look completely different when you get out there on the bay, Yeah, you know, oh, for the most does. part, 
it's going to look, I mean, I, I build some stages sometimes. I'm like, man, they're going to be running forever. And you get out there and it's like a seven yard run to shoot the whole stage. Cause you know, but I, that's, that's the, that's the part I enjoy is, is building that, you know, building stages. So do you build them at least enough where they're welcoming the new shooters, but still a challenge to local or are the people that shoot a lot or what? Yeah. So this is a big thing. And, um, you know, there are a lot of old, older shooters in, in a lot of clubs, you know, um, and that's a whole other thing about getting new people in, but we have a, you know, we have a lot of older crowds. So you obviously, you know, you, you're not wanting to put them shooting from prone, you know, on the first shot of the bay because you're basically killing their match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's match. a fine line between, yeah. yeah, there's a fine line between making it competitive, you know, but not making it so competitive, you know, that you're that you're pushing people away because they they shoot the no shoot thirty three times during a match, yeah, you know, or they have twenty mics, which which is gonna happen anyway. I mean, it's gonna happen, but you don't want it just to be where the top ten shooters are the only ones that can have a decent match. Yeah, you know? yeah, and that's that's so, I don't know that anyone's really figured that out. Like maybe people have for sure because like the, the people that are going to major matches, right. They really want the practice to put in for the major match. So they want the unique stage designs. They want the swingers, the poppers, all the things that go to a major match, but then you don't want the newest year to be like, that was so hard, brutal. I just wasted a bunch of time, money and ammo. Like I'm never coming back. It wasn't fun. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, a, there's, it's just, it's like I said, it's just a fine line between you don't want to leave that stuff out completely either yeah. because then the shooters, you know, who've been shooting for a long time, they enjoy that stuff. They enjoy the challenge, you know, or the competitors who are out there to win, you know, you, you don't want to take all that stuff away. So it's yeah. just, you don't want to overload it with, with either direction. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's the thing that I think that a lot of match, not just directors, match club members here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. You know, and we do overlook the stages. I mean, we get them posted the week of the match, you know, and, um, but I, I can't think of anything that we've ever really just said, no, let, let's not do that other than, you know, round count within the last year because of you yeah. know ammo and stuff like that which you can still make dynamic stuff without the round count which has been really unique to see i think in a lot of shooting communities um it's been fun almost yeah yeah i enjoy the um i enjoy the 20 to 25 round 18 to 25 round stage i like watching the ipsic guys you know or watching eric grafell i watch a ton of eric grafell stuff yeah um that dude's ridiculous but, um, and anyway, you know, I, I like the, those watches. It's the guy shoot those short stages, you know, cause it's really good stages with 13 shots. I know. It's, you know, so it's all, you know, it's, it's, you can do it for sure. Yeah. So what's your least favorite part about running matches? <laughs> um, you know, de dealing with problems that come up, you know, um, whether it be, you know, the RO situation. So like what I, we, our squad will fill up in about nine minutes once registration opens, you know, and the bad thing about it is normally everybody on our squad is an RO. We like to shoot together. We've been sh yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's probably the same in a lot of ranges everywhere you go, the same group of guys, they took girls, they took the RO class together. They enjoy shooting together. You kind of get, you know, with your good group of friends and, um, you know, sometimes parks will step out and, and RO. Dave will normally RO in another squad, you know, but that, that's another thing. And, you know, you don't have to be a certified RO to, to RO a level one match, you know, and right. it's not difficult. And that's the thing, you know, I listened to a podcast with, with Matt Hopkins 
And, you know, sometimes he said, I'll just take the timer and just go up and walk up and hand it to somebody. I've done that a lot. And I've done the tablet a lot because I feel like and this may be just sexist, but a lot of females do the tablet and the males want nothing to do with it. And it's right. really, 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 really frustrating. And I was, I was really sad. And actually I saw it, um, a Dothan match me and Andy were on a spot and there was a spot open and Drew couldn't shoot with us because he was needed elsewhere to CRO because nobody stepped up. What the heck? And that's the endless summer blast. Every single person should be having a great time at a level one ROing and CROing so everyone can have a great time. It's so, I don't know, depressing. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. And it drives me crazy, you know, and, and I try to be as nice as I can. Yeah. And Parks and them may tell you something different, but anyway, um, you know, you try to be as nice as you can, but if just, if you're out there running the tablet, you know, if me and you are running the tablet in the timer, for the entire match and every time I go to shoot you pick up the timer and then when you get done shooting you pick up the you know and you're standing out there and it's 100 degrees and you're having to stand out in the sun the whole time while they're standing up under their umbrella drinking cold water you know it's just to me it's fair for everybody so you know I'm not expecting your very first match to come out there and run the timer I understand that but learn you know, learn when you come out there. People will help you, you know, learn the commands, especially with the iPad. That is the easiest thing. You All you have to do is listen to somebody. That's and it. Touch. You know. Touch. Yeah. So, touch. Um, you know, I mean, somebody will help you. But that's another thing, too, is just, and we've gotten more and more. We finally got an RO class here, so we got more and more people okay. RO certified. Yeah. Um. So that's good. Yeah. And yeah, it's super frustrating. So yeah, I'll hand the tablet timer. I know it's not very, probably the best way to do it, but it's just not right. And it's not fair. And uh, yeah, so help out. It, it goes a long way, especially like when you and I shoot too, like, I want you to video me or I want you to video me because I don't want to ask a stranger and they don't know how to video and they're going to do it from the back, but then you've got the tablet and timer. We can't. Ah! <laughs> yeah. I was literally just talking about that. We shot a steel match yesterday. And I said, I told, I said, we never get any video of each other. And he's like, we're working the whole time, you know? So yeah, I'm the same way. Yep. Anyway, so yeah, everybody do their share and I'm good with that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so we probably already touched all of this, but my next question was just kind of like, how could people help this sport grow or really make a difference in their community? How can we get new people out there? I, you know, a lot of, I, I, a lot of people that are friends of my Facebook page that are not shooting related know about shooting now because of me. I think that's a big part of it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I like to put the shooting videos out there, you know, um, I, I video myself cause I like to go back and watch it and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I, I, I feel like USPSA is such a small community and it's like, it's like we're, we're so enclosed that, you know, and I know you're not going to have it more than likely on the local news, you know, and stuff like that. So I don't really know the best way to get out other than just word of mouth, you know, but yeah. the, the thing about it is I've invited a lot of people and, uh, you know, Parks brings, has bought quite a bit of people over the years and loaned them equipment, you know, if they needed something, you know, more than likely, if you let somebody know ahead of time, somebody's going to, I mean, USPSS shooters have guns. There's no doubt about that. There's somebody's going to have a gun you can borrow in magazines, you know. Um, now, they may not give you any ammo nowadays. Yeah. But, you know. Yeah. So just word of mouth. And I think the biggest thing is getting people out there their first match. You know, I've, I've talked to some law enforcement guys, and it's almost like they uh, they don't want to get out there and, and get embarrassed. You know, these people yeah. who have shot on a square range and stuff like that, they, they hear the word competition. And it's like, oh, crap, no, I can't do that. They're going to, you know, it's going to be embarrassing. And it's really not. No, Nobody really cares how you shoot out there. Nobody cares about how other people are shooting. They only care about themselves. That's it. That's it. I mean, really, I mean, we have, we'll have some law enforcement guys that are come out there with, you know, with the duty belt on and, and they do it for nothing but training. Perfect. You yeah. know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, other people use it as a hobby and then, you know, there are other people I want to win every time I go out there, you know, I mean, I'm going to have a good time, but I don't go out there just to have fun. Oh, I I'm going to have fun, but I want to win too, you know? Um, so I think that's the thing we just kind of, you know, it's just getting people to try it the first time. Because like we said before, you do it the first time. You know, and most people, they shoot their first match. You come back, heck yeah, I'm coming back. Yeah, no. this is awesome. <laughs> you know, so um, I think you just really got to promote it and talk to people. I think the ranges need to promote it, especially, you know, like ours, which is a working range. Yeah. It's, and they promote on the Facebook page, you know, and stuff like that. But um, Who's they? Who does that? Yeah. Yeah, they. <laughs> I. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I knew that was they. But, um, so anyway, you know, and I think intro to, and I don't know if this is coming up or not, but doing some introduction to competitive shooting classes are huge. Yeah, actually, that is my next question. So, um, a couple of things, um, before you touch on that too. So already, if you can make a blast, maybe on social media or email saying, Hey, if you know someone that wants to come out, let us know, or let us know ahead of time, do they need guns, gear, belt, whatever. And we'll tell them the caliber to bring it in. Um, I think if every single person, think about it, that shot brought one person, how many new people would that be? Yeah, that's right. We're talking about thousands. I don't know how many members yeah. right now USPSA has. Do you? Yeah, about 30,000, I think, is what I heard. That's a huge number for us. But, um, and, and I don't even think that's, I, I only think about 17, I haven't heard on a podcast with uh, Mike Foley, not a mm-hmm. little over half are active, actually active shooting scores, you know, yearly. So, so um, um, yeah, I think if they can bring somebody with them, you know, um, for, for sure. And I think a lot have, have made the first match free, right? For new shooters. Yep. Yep. Yeah. We, and we tried to do some of that. We've also said that if you bring somebody, you know, if you bring somebody with you, we'll let you shoot your first match free, you know, and it's, it, it we have gotten quite a few new faces out over the last, um, surprisingly the last six months, which this is the time when you wouldn't think you would be getting new people, you know, but yeah. um yeah, I think, I think that's, that's big. Yeah. Same with juniors having free shoots. So, okay. Yeah. We've got this idea. Um, I, you're probably not the first to think of it, but of hosting intro to USPSA classes, right. For people wanting to get in because how they move, what are the rules, what gear, what equipment, that's the biggest thing that we try and tell just come out, but so many are still afraid to even come out. So what would this class look like? Um, what's the dream to build that? So, um, they used to do them at town. John put them on. Parks said that's how he got started is they had an intro. And I think it was kind of a conglomerate of Steel Challenge, USPSA, and it may have been, he may have done some three-gun stuff too. Yeah. Um, I know Drew and them were doing them for a while, you know, but I think um, – and we had, we have been talking about doing them and then, and then COVID hit and, you know, ammo was 60 cent around and you're like, you know, if you're going to charge this much for a class and then they got about, you know, $150 worth of ammo – you know, um, yeah. but I think, I think those are huge. Um, I think you would need to get several people that have equipment that can be borrowed. You know, I mean, you can do, you can get somebody started with a basic holster and a mag pouch, a single mag pouch and go over the majority of the stuff. You know, I don't know that if I were to do it, I would really combine steel challenge and USPSA because it's a lot to throw at somebody. Yeah, it is. You Not know. too much rules and yeah. 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 So, um, you know, but I think doing intro introduction and just go over the basic rules, run some stages, run some drills, let them practice drawing out of the holster, let them run around with a gun. I was talking to somebody yesterday, you know, about that, a fairly new shooter. And they said, you know, I'm, I'm just scared to run around with a gun. Well, when I first started, when I first started doing it, I would go out to 
Talon, and I would just, with an unloaded gun, just run as fast as I could around the bay. Yes. You know, just get back and forth and across the bay, and sooner or later, it feels comfortable. And then, you know, you, you watch a lot of these videos. Yeah, I probably look like an idiot. Good thing they have cameras back there on that part. But, uh, <laughs> you know, but um, it, it gets you comfortable with doing it, you know. Uh, so I think it's all about more, you know, getting people comfortable with doing the stuff other than standing there in their weaver stance and shooting, you know, five shots at a target and then going to get a sip of Coke and stuff like that. Um, you know, cause that way, and we were always, when we were planning it, we were going to do, do the, the intro class. And then we were all going to shoot together on the following match together as a squad. And so that way, everybody that was at the intro class would shoot together on the stage. We would kind of walk them through it. Yep. Yeah. Stage plan together, learn how to shoot the stage and then assess maybe after, Ooh, I like that. Yeah. And see John, John Rasmus is really good about that. I mean, he will take the new people, um, and uh he's really good at helping you know and most people are helping but it's good to have somebody that can give you constant tips you know other than saying well you shouldn't do that you know or you should like do it. the most patient person but he's also like the most i don't know positive i've never heard him complain or have a negative thing out yep. of no nope. <laughs> i do nope. remember one time though and if he ever listens to this probably doesn't where i was like john i need you to coach me he's like you don't need a coach i was like uh-huh. when i want to coach <laughs> yeah that's right yeah he's great uh he is great and that's the thing you gotta you gotta ask people stuff i'm telling you uh, you cannot be afraid to ask anybody anything i will listen to I'm, i mean i was listening to jason bradley i don't know if you're familiar with him he does a he was second at second to max carry optics nationals last year i think two years ago anyway yeah he's good but um he does like a live instagram every monday well i will get on there and ask him a question I mean, yeah. he was doing a scoop draw and i will log right in there and say can you zoom in on that scoop draw and he will zoom his camera right in i mean if i have a question for juanza kim i'll email him or joel park or ben you know yeah. they'll, they'll help you out now i'm not going to say hey can you show me a video of your practice for two hours you know i don't expect him to do that but you know you got to ask questions and, and they're more than willing to help you know and, and, and the local guys too every match has a group of good local shooters you just got to be willing to hit those people up you know once you you start feeling comfortable that's the thing you just got to make i think we got to make the new shooters really comfortable you know and kind of welcoming in as men a part of the crowd and stuff like that yeah i think there's um a couple things of that too is like again trust what they're saying but verify trust but verify because you don't know right who you're from um right. that's a big thing especially if it's a rule stuff but I think that's a, that's valuable of knowing when to ask questions and how, like the other thing is, uh, I don't know if it's, if this is even meaningful, but like before a stage, even if it's a, lo- a local, like, I don't want to be asked a question or bothered. How do you talk about like shooters etiquette, right? If they're on deck or, or the next. Well, yeah, you might be talking to the wrong person. Um, <laughs> because yeah I, I completely understand it's funny that you brought that up because i was listening to a podcast with the williams sisters okay. the other day and i can't remember what it was but one of them said that um like when the super squad is shooting together that like if max michelle walks up there it is dead silence and like if you say a word they kick you off the bay and i'm like well i will never make it on that i wouldn't either you no know? <laughs> um, i mean you know and, and, football stadiums we need to be quiet <laughs> No. Yeah, so I mean, we have a good time, and, and yes, it is a it is a local match, but it is junk talking the entire. I mean, if it wasn't for talking junk, we wouldn't even be able to talk about anything. It wouldn't be most fun. Part. 
Yeah. So now oh. at the, when we get you get to a level two or nationals, obviously I'm not going to be screaming, "Give me it, bring me a white paster in the middle of a two gun nationals or something like that." But you know there is, and that's the thing. I think you kind of just got to feel people out. You know, yeah. Um, we we never really take it majorly serious, but you know, I mean, two gun nationals, you got a lot of money invested and stuff like that. We we do a lot of talking. I, I'm not the kind of person that you. I mean, literally, you could come up to me and tug on my back pocket right before I make ready. And it's not going to bother me one single bit, you know, but other people, three shooters up, they don't want anything said to them. And I say, you do have to respect that. But the thing about it is, is how do you know, you know, do you have to, do, do I have to say something to Kenzie one time and you turn around and bite my head off and I know, well, don't talk to Kenzie, you know, so it's a, it's a fine line too, yeah. you know, between that, um, you know, and you, you figure out pretty quickly who is taking it really, really seriously and who, who kind of needs their time, yeah. you know, but, but there is, there is definitely etiquette to it. I mean, noise while somebody's shooting and stuff like that, you know, That's, you yeah. got to be smart about it. Yeah. I was gonna say, I, I don't mind the talking. I think if it's quiet, it's actually worse, but I actually don't hear Like when people, <laughs> when you watch videos or listen to videos, you didn't hear what you said at all. And then I rewatched no. it cracking up because it's something someone said, like, Kenzie's on the ground again. That was what someone said. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, um, again, etiquette, even if, if you're at a major match, you do want to do a little bit well, like not asking stuff when they're the next shooter or oh yeah, if you tank a stage and you're coming off, like I need a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No doubt about that. And we normally, yeah, we, we do that even with, um, you know, even with just guys that are part of the group, you know, somebody DQs, that is not the time you know, to say something, especially, um, you know, we're going to give you at least a minute or two to calm down before we <laughs> just say Just one minute. <laughs> but some people really do get pissed and you're like, it's dead silence, you know, so you're not going to say anything to them for a while and they'll come around. You just got to be smart about it. You know, I mean, if you're talking about guys who do it for a living and they're legit and you have walked up on their stage, they have to get you know, that. yeah, that's yeah. right. You know, and, and you, you got, you just got to be smart about, you know, um whoever it is it doesn't matter if they're a d-class shooter you know if they're taking it serious you want to respect you know how, how they want to shoot the match so that that is a big part of it you kind of just learn that as you go along you know yeah but more, if you're not more, heckling, more go ahead do go ahead oh i was just gonna say if you're not heckling me cussing at me and giving me crap then i know something's wrong or not being honest you know what i mean if you're gonna be yeah. like Good job and i'll be like kevin i watched it i lived that <laughs> yeah yeah well it's like so a perfect example is one of our shooters friend was uh, middle of the stage. We're kind of scoring behind because at the level one, I highly encourage scoring behind, you know, um, to speed it up. But anyway, he uh, shoots up. I think, I don't know, it's either a mic or a no shoot. And me and another guy said, uh Oh, at the same time. Well, he heard it. <laughs> he heard it. And uh, it was like ruined the rest of his stage, you know, and I felt bad. Mm -hmm. I felt bad about it, you know, uh, so, yeah, and I don't hear anything either. When I start shooting, I don't hear a thing. You know, I mean, it's just, I don't know if I'm just focused on it and, and I kind of block it all out, you know, or if it's the gun going off or whatever. But I, I, I can't say that I've ever heard anything while I'm shooting the stage. I haven't either. So that's just, yeah, yeah. So figure out figure out your people and how they want uh, things to be done. But there is some etiquette-ish. But if you can't handle shit talking, you might want to pick a different sport. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding, because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it normally people that get, they might, they might be off-putting for the first time, but the next time they're right there with you. They're having a good time too. So it's just yeah. part of it. <laughs> and these juniors, they hear it at home and more. So you'll oh, be yeah. Fine. Oh, yeah. That's right.
<laughs> okay, so our favorite little segment here. Um, I asked some people from the lovely Tallahassee uh, Practical Shooters to um, send you some questions. <laughs> this is the worst one. <laughs> You're talking about your movement and getting fast. So Richard Whitesey says, Ask him if round is the most aerodynamic shape for speed efficiency during movement well, on a stage. Well, see, this is the thing about it. Um, I am not a, a physical specimen by any means. Um, but I can shoot the stage as fast as anybody, if not faster than anybody. And that's the biggest thing. You know, I'm not the most accurate. But that, and that's, to me, when I'm practicing USPSA, you know, it's all about moving. So, yeah, yeah, it's... Uh, I did that. I can move this right through the air, cuts through the wind. My brother said this years ago um, when people um, would say, How come you don't get in shape? And he would just say, Round is a shape. It's a shape. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. <laughs> On the, on the other side of this, the serious side, Drew Coleman said, um, how do you cope with decreased match attendance brought on by outside factors? So um, this has been a big thing for the last year and a half, obviously, with, especially with the COVID. When the COVID hit, we had quite a few of the older crowd that was worried about it. You know, um, even though you're outside, um, you know, we kind of got together as a club, you know, eight or 10 of us and kind of discuss what we were going to do when it was in the major in the middle of the year last year, whenever it was, you know, um, and we did shut down for a couple months and, and, you know, JD and Charlie kind of left it up to us. They were good either way, yeah. whatever, because the range never closed, you know? Oh yeah. Um, you can't, and that's, that's the kind essential, of thing. That's an essential business. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. And it was, thank the Lord, because it gave us something to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that was a big deal. You know, you just kind of got to ride it out through those months. And now with the ammo situation, um, you know, we've started, and I know Drew and them have started doing matches with less round count. So we went to where we would have, you know, because you've got a lot of people that would go to Walmart the day before and they'd buy their three boxes of, you know, ammo and come to the match. Yeah. And um, so we started lowering round counts to keep it like around 130 as opposed to 175. You know, we try not to do three or four 30 round stages and stuff like that, you know, to try to keep the people um, come, you know, your guys who shoot all the time they're going to be prepared for stuff like this more than likely you know yeah, um it's just shot. it's just your shot more than i have before this. yeah I, I have as well i mean i have as well so you know you just gotta you kind of gotta work with those people the best you can give them ammo you know I, I i told a lot of people where they could find ammo and try to help them out and stuff like that and we would make announcements you know at the matches and and yeah. talon did really good you know about letting know when ammo is available and stuff like that. So I think, you know, you kind of got to help people out when, when crazy stuff like, like this happens. Yeah. Yeah. It sucks. It sucks when our community goes through like perspective, right? Oh, I shoot a lot. Okay. What's a lot Right. <laughs> rounds a year. Mm -hmm. That's a practice session. So I right. think a lot of the, the Rangers, including talent did a really good job where they made ammo available for the people shooting for the range yep. members for the the competitive shooters and i've seen the major matches now a couple of them like um federal and i think atlanta arms did one they made sure that ammo was only for competitors that were signed up for the match yep yeah yeah that's all that's that was a good deal um and no matter the price if you want to shoot you, you you can shoot you know what i mean and um yeah that's i thought i saw somebody posted and it was right before two gun nationals 
you know, somebody posted on the USPSA Facebook page about that. Are you still continuing to have matches? And they're like, we're not canceling matches. Yeah. You know, nobody wants that. Everybody still wants to shoot. I mean, look at the turnouts they've had, you right. know, so people still want to shoot. But, yeah, that's it's been really good. Those, I mean, talented Austin, they would drive and, and pick up ammo, you know, and they had it, you know. Um, so that's been good to help us kind of get through this. And it's still, but it's getting better. Yeah. For people don't know. I didn't put this in here, but, um, Talon range has been like my home range since day one. I miss it. I love it. Um, that's where I learned to shoot. That's where they had the first Glock match that I ever shot, like everything there. Right. So, and you and I have both seen it growing up, um, growing up, but really they didn't have the cameras. They didn't have the 400 yard bay. They didn't have the comp bay. It's like, this is cool. So what is yeah. Talon range and where is it located? And you know, what all do they do there? All right. So Talon is located in Midway, Florida, just outside of Tallahassee about 15 miles, 10 miles outside of Tallahassee. Um, they have got 15 pistol bays. They have a 100-yard range, 200-yard, 300-yard, 400-yard rifle range. Um, three of the pistol bays are still, I think they have, let's see, I don't know, five or six, 15-yard, then the five or six, 25-yard, 250-yard bays, and then three steel. Um, you know, they have a bunch of steel inside of them. And then we obviously have seven competition bays in the back of the range that when we're not shooting competitions because they run steel out there we run uspsa um they also run cowboy action matches out there so um but those are open as well for the for the members you know um so it's a it's a great place to to have to shoot close to where a lot of people are you know they've got archery too and they've got skeet and trap fields and a really cool course yeah that's right i miss all of that (laughs) <laughs> yeah and then now and now they've got a store so it's like they rent guns and that's the best thing that to me that a range can do is rent guns is because i mean they've got a couple cases of guns that you can literally go out there for 10 bucks i think and yep. rent a gun i mean what better can you do that before you buy something i would recommend a lot of people do that 100 percent. i think the worst question and this for everyone loud and clear to hear the worst question that you can ask someone is what should i buy or what do you carry because that's what i'm going to buy that is two totally different people, different hands, different recoil management, everything. You are the only person that can decide. So yeah, go to the range, rent all the guns, pick that, that right one. Yeah, that's right. I mean, because um, pretty much all I've ever shot minus the Smith and Wesson are Glocks, yeah. you know, and, and it's because they've always run. I've never had the first issue with them, you know, and they've always run, but um, you know, I, I would, I would shoot a SIG 320 X5 in a second. I would shoot a Walther in a second, you know, or an Atlas or an Akai in a second, you know, just because, I know enough people to shoot those guns, you know, now if you have somebody that shows up, you know, with something, we had a guy show up with a Kimbo, a Kimber solo, like a micro pistol for a steel match one time. And it was in 45. And I'm like, no. And you, you know, and everybody told him almost immediately right off the bat, that it's going to be a long day with that gun, you know, and he couldn't hardly hit anything. Well, then we give him one of our guns and it's like, he's nailing the target. So yeah, you know, borrow, if you have friends that shoot, borrow, go out and shoot, you know, <clears throat> guns i'm more than willing to let anybody shoot my guns you know at any time so that's that's a big part of it yeah um okay so back to the ammo stuff too you've been super savvy when it comes to loading ammo and making it work even now um and way back in the day forever so because you're gonna be my thrifty kevin park parks asked this question (laughs) how did you map out ammo opportunities um if you're willing to give up your secrets (laughs) yeah so um Oh, I don't reload at this point. I shoot all factory ammo. It's just a time thing for me, you know, um, and, and I can tell you, I, um, I will normally take 124 grain. If I, if I can get it, that's what I I can notice a slight difference, but at speed, there's very little I notice between either. The only notice I've ever done was when I shot 
um, parts had some 147 grain reloads. And I could tell the difference between that and my PCC than a 115. I could yep. notice that. But, you know, <laughs> it, it's speed. I get. Yeah. You know, I, I don't really notice it. So I will buy the cheapest thing possible. Now, I will shoot steel in practice. I don't have any issues, especially out of the, I mean, I'll tell you, at the Two Gun Nationals, I shot Academy Sports brand Monarch steel case. What? I can almost guarantee I was probably the only person shooting that at the national match, you know, but it ran, it ran fine, you know, but, um, so anyway, yeah, plan ahead. You know, I always try to keep a couple thousand rounds and ahead of this, you know, next time, you know, if you're a regular shooter, you never know when this is going to happen. You're going to have ammo for six or seven months. Like you said earlier, ammo goes quick, especially when, you, you know, most people shoot about 100 rounds a year that are just regular casual shooters. Well, that's about seven minutes for us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, literally, a practice session, you can shoot 300 rounds in 25, 30 minutes, no problem. Yep. You know, so um, you got to plan ahead for this. You got to plan, you know, years. If you if you just say, I shoot the local talent match every Sunday, and it's 150 rounds. Well, you know, you know, you're going to have to have 1500 rounds, you yep. know, Yep. so you keep that around at all times. I think that, that the people or what other people don't do, and this sounds so silly, like when I was in Minnesota, I went to a Shields and they had primers, but they had a capacity of two, only two boxes, there's 200 primers, right? That's nothing. Mm-hmm. I went every day till I got a thousand. So what people yep. don't know, it's like to over, not well, overbuy. I mean, shoot, if you're going to shoot, if you're a shooter, do not hoard things, people. <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, if I see... Yeah, even federal, I bought that. The, the match was only, I think, 500 rounds or 400 rounds. So I bought a thousand. I know I'm going to use the 600 yep. another day. <laughs> that's right. So, that's yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> this COVID stuff, I'm telling you, the crazy, you're not going to believe this, but it's true. It's true. We did it. Um, so, I'd planned ahead. I, I already had, you know, several thousand rounds, but while it was still cheap, you know, and, and to me about the reloading is, yes, you, you can um get if, if i was shooting um you know nine major or 38 super cop or something like that i would you have to reload for that that's a whole different story yeah. you know but if i mean literally when i started shooting nine back in the day i was shooting freedom munitions remanufactured just junkiest ammo but it was 13 cent around yeah so yes. you know i'm like if i can reload for 11 cents around why spend the time when i can spend two more cents around you know and get it and even when it got up to you know, before all this hit, you could get, you know, a thousand rounds for 160 bucks at Target Sports. So, you know, it's a time investment and, and I'll do it one day. But, you know, so anyway, people still had ammo. So like Academy, I'll use Academy Sports as an example. Um, there are all, there are some local gun stores that were just outrageous, like a dollar around for full metal jacket and stuff like that. I'm not going to do that. I'll just go without shooting for a couple. I months. also would never support that company again either. Yeah, you know, some and, it, and, and some of it's not on them, but a lot of it that that high definitely is. Yeah, well, and that's you know, you know, they're always high. Even before all this, they were always high. So you know ahead of time, you yeah. know, that that you're not going to do that. But the thing about that is, before we get back to ammo, is people don't know. Yeah. People don't know. You know, I mean, people go out buy ammo. If they if they started shooting, if they were one of the first you know time gun owners during the COVID, and they went to somewhere and to buy ammo, and it was. $60 for a box of 50 round American Eagle 115, you know, they don't know any better. That's yeah. all. They've never bought him. So that's the only price they know. Right. You know, so, um, but anyway, so like Academy would get ammo in a couple times a week. So we talked to the manager and found out what days the ammo would come in. 
And so we would go up there and they would have it like on the shelf. They got to where they wouldn't even put it out on the shelf. They would just roll the cart out in the middle of the floor. And like, it was like Black Friday. I'm telling you, they would open the doors and people would haul butt back there and get it. So anyway, when the COVID first hit, you could still buy as much as you want. You know, so you could get a thousand rounds at a time. It's no big issue. But the more and more it went along, the harder it was to get ammo. You know, um, they wouldn't let you just get unlimited. So then they started putting, <laughs> they started putting it behind like the customer service desk, and so they were watching you because see, when it was, you know, even when they first they left it on the shelf and they would say like a two box limit, all you'd have to do is you go in there get your two boxes, you go back up to the truck, and then you go to a different register. Yep. You know, you just do that three times in the same day. Yep. So then they put it behind like the customer service um, counter. And they were watching you. They would like you would walk in like it was Secret Service or something, you know, like Garden Gold or something. And they would watch you, so you couldn't do that anymore. So you, so the mask really helped during this. So like I would go in, have a mask on. This is not a joke. A couple of people did this. We would go in because the ammo was still, you know, it was still seventeen, eighteen cent around at that point. Yeah. So we'd go in, get our couple boxes from behind the counter, go to the register, go out to the truck, throw a Columbia shirt on over that. Put a different mask on, change your hat, right back through there. Yeah, yeah. So you, you know, you, you they're limiting you to so 200 rounds, and but you still get 600. You know, and it came down to that because you're like, well, heck, is it going to be a year and a half before I can get it? I can get, you know. Wow. And the, the bad thing about that is though, is <clears throat> if you're shooting it, I don't mind. Right. I don't mind. Right. But I know there's people sitting at their house right now that have 10,000 rounds of ammo that's going to last them for the next 300 years. And they're never going to. You know use what it. I mean? Gonna go yeah, back. and they're either they're gonna they're gonna try to sell it here in the next six months to a year. They're gonna try to get it back thirty cents around that they paid for it, you know, and and they're not, you know. So that yeah, I mean, if you're gonna shoot it, I don't mind you buy as much as you very, want. Very very salty times, yeah. So like support yeah. companies are supporting us, um, you know, that are trying to do their best, keeping the price down, even if they're trying to get everybody to have some at least the limit. I'm still supportive of that because it's not outrageous. But I've seen the stuff right. where blazers now eight hundred dollars for a thousand. Yeah websites and i'm like in what world right well and it seems like the smaller companies you know like the supervale and the black dot yep. those those people pulled through and they made sure the competitive shooters could still shoot so listen to this too um and i i talked to mike soaker at supervale too i didn't know this so i had 500 rounds get stolen out of my box of a thousand like straight up <laughs> ripped open whatever um and i told him about it. i was like you know i feel bad but i'm just letting you know 500 rounds is gone He's had that happen like a dozen different times. Mike pulled from his own stock to load 500 rounds again and send them back out. Yeah. That's insane. That's good people. Yeah. So again, yeah, it is. The, the smaller companies and Black Dot too, like um, going to East Alabama Gun Club, they had ammo for sale for non-members that come to the range and members that come to the range. And there's different limits for both because you are supporting, again, if you're supporting them the right way. Exactly. Exactly. Page. So. Yeah, exactly. And, and Talon was the same way. And, I, and, and that's, that's the same thing I do too. You know, so, uh, yeah, it's been the, the guys that help out, you know, the bullets, blue bullets, and those guys come through and, and helped out, you know. Absolutely. But the biggest thing is just to prepare. You you, you got to prepare ahead of time. I, I don't know that it'll ever get back down as cheap as it was. You know, if it gets down to 19 or 20 cents, I think that'll be fine. Yeah. You know, but uh, you just got to be prepared for it, you know. Sucks. So yeah. Um, and then <laughs> I've been a range chicken. Every time I work a match, I do not give a shit. I bring a bucket and I am a happy, happy little chicken. So now who's laughing? <laughs> but yep. even if you don't reload, a couple things. I've bought small rifle primos before. Well, my friend will trade me for that or pay me for that. 
because I got them and he reloads or sell the brass talent. I don't even know how much their buckets are anymore. If you pick up brass, you know, they'll buy it. Yeah. 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 And yeah. And I have known to men pick up a piece of brass or two in my lifetime as well. Yeah. You know? and, and a lot of people don't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. They're like peasants and I'm like money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah that's right. And yeah. Especially if you work the bigger matches, you know, you, you can get it. I have four five gallon buckets right there still from two mm-hmm. and Texas. Like I take it everywhere. Walmart and yep. home people have five dollar gallon buckets or whatever. Yep. That's right. All right, here we go. This we're interrupting this for something just as serious as this talk, but nobody wants to talk about it. Are you ready? Yep. So chafing for us round shaped people is a real thing. So no doubt. And I just, I just discovered this. So, so what do you use to prevent swamp ass and chafing? All right. So this all comes back. I don't know who asked this question. This all comes back to a, I think it was the Alabama sectional. It was at Dothan Gun Club. I don't know if it was the Alabama sectional or if it was the summer blast, but anyway, it was a hot match and, and it, it was so bad that I literally couldn't even hardly walk back to the truck. I mean, it was awful. It, I, I can't, can't even explain. And it's not the first time that's ever happened in my life. But, you know, normally you like you buy the compression shorts. I've tried that. But these had a damn seam on them. I don't know. Oh, like yeah. a raised seam. Okay, real quick about that. So if you ask marathon runners, which my aunt was one of them, those in seams they don't have on their shorts because they rub and they actually worse. So the seam should be on the front, yeah. if anything, and not where. Yep. Yeah, so it was like having a serrated knife in my pants all day, cutting my leg open, you know, and I literally couldn't walk. So anyway, so um, Parks proceeds to tell me, get the blue gold bond, mm-hmm. blue gold bond. So I said, okay. And he tells me the process of getting it in and tub and stuff like that. So anyway, I put the blue gold bond on. No kidding, Kenzie. It felt like that uh, somebody had thrown a match down my pants. It was burning like fire. So I'm texting them and I'm like, this, something's wrong with this. this. This stuff is burning. And he's like, oh, it'll go away. So like 45 minutes later, it hadn't gone away. I'm done with it. I'm done with the blue. I get in the tub, wash it all off, you know. So then um, so then I bought the, the gold, the gold gold bond. <laughs> and that's what I've been doing ever since. But I did buy some spray today on your recommendation the other day. So we're going to see how that works. <laughs> You're going to test it out. Yeah. So Steve Mormal did ask, why is it important to distinguish between gold bond and the blue stuff? Uh-huh. Yeah, there's a big difference. Trust me, if you don't know, test it out. But just buy a small bottle because you don't want to waste your money. Because <laughs> you're not going to use I don't know what the medicator would really be for unless it was just like keep you awake or something. Oh, fire the pants. Oh my God. Um, yeah, and Steve, Steve or, or sorry, Parks asked, you know, what are the pros and cons of spray versus powder? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'll let him know next week. Yeah. See, cause y'all at my job, I sweat all day long yeah. from the time I get up in the morning all day long. I'm sweating. So it's a, it's a daily issue. Yeah. Oh yeah. No. Um, so, uh, my, my thighs have always loved each other. Okay. Since volleyball <laughs> high school, they love each other. So I've always had to wear the the longer pants and like I was wearing dude pants. Well, I couldn't find girl shorts that were not girl shorts. Right. right. I don't really care anymore. So my local five eleven store knows me by name. I go there all the time. Thank God I have one now. And he's like, I was like, I need shorts. He's like, for what? And we talked about the why. He's like, mm, we'll see how this works with the um, the inseam, I guess. I don't know. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but 
but dude shorts have changed the game as well i mean i still use the chafing stuff but i don't chafe anymore yeah yeah it's uh it's a good thing to fix that's for sure that's ridiculous okay got that down folks gold bond spray your power there you go steve sparks you got it <laughs> um okay so we're talking about um how to get new, new shooters in as far as uspsa still challenge glock all of that um and we were talking about a little bit like borrowing gear and all of that but what would you say is like the bare minimum stuff or amount of stuff that people should have to at least you know go go shoot for a while on their own without depending upon other people i mean you you will need at least um if you were just going to say just shoot you're going to shoot limited you know um you, you need at least three magazines you know for steel challenge or for uspsa that will because more than likely if you're shooting a full-size gun it's going to have 15 17 round magazines you know and, and the same thing with steel um you know preferably five for steel if you're reloading for steel challenge like in the middle of a string yeah yeah no if it yeah. gets to that point just don't just call it a 30 and you know um and, and gssf you know what you need at least four four or five mags for that just because you don't want somebody to be reloading you know mags mags are cheap yeah you know that's something if you buy a gun i think you should have four to five mags for no matter what gun you every have. gun that you have and gssf you have to shoot a glock so they're going to have the glock mags and all of that but there is that is a major match always for them you know it's not going right. to match so you're you're literally taking time for people waiting so yeah exactly and sometimes there's lots of people there and, and bob can tell you i don't like waiting it's miserable. I, you know, the GSSF match, uh, I, I have done really well in, in the last couple of years, um, but it's not fun to me. You know, I think it's good beginner sport. Yeah. Um, you know, it gets you used to a timer. You know, um, you, you get used to that beat. But uh, yeah, it's not. Once you get into you know competitive shooting, it's not that much fun to go to. Yeah, yeah, it's good because I've won a couple of guns. I've won a couple of placement cash. We're good. Are you at the master? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I got four. I won four last year yeah. in the last two years. So yeah, I'm about done with that. Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. So Oliver uh, asked, how old does someone have to be to start competing in shooting sports? There is no age limit. Um, I was, I've talked about this with my daughter. She's six now. I would like to get her out there in the next couple of years to start shooting some steel, you know, with my little 22. Yep. Um, and there are people, we've had some younger kids out there, but you, you know, you watch on YouTube, there's some, there's some, 10 or under kids that, that can do it, you know, move around, reload and all this stuff. I think it all comes down to safety, you know, how much you've taught them. Uh, that's, you know, the, the earlier you get them started on it, you know, teach them about the safety rules and stuff like that. You know, I don't, I don't want a six-year-old drawn from the holster, I don't think, yeah. you know, with a Glock 34 or something like that. But, yeah. you know, um, I think it's just whatever, you know, whatever you feel comfortable, whatever they feel comfortable doing, you know, but yeah i just wrote a blog about this too and i was looking at different range rules there's so many ranges out there it sucks but i get why because somebody ruined it but they had like oh you have to be eight you have to be 10 you have to be 16 you have to be 18 you have to be 21 right. even right yeah i think there's some freaking 21 and 30 and 50 year olds that should not be shooting oh, no doubt <laughs> no doubt i will take every steel challenge junior shooter with me and leave everybody else and be yeah I could turn my back on all of them. Truly, that sport has changed the game for juniors. And um, oh man, God, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. The numbers that they're getting uh, is crazy. Yeah. You know, I can't remember you know, how. Old those... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go. I was going to say that, that, that. You know, another thing about bringing new shooters in is 
the limits of your range are are huge. You know, I mean, we get 50 shooters, we're busting at the seams. You know, we we could we could do 60, but you know, a lot of people, including myself, don't don't want to be out there at 7:30 in the morning and be leaving at five o'clock for a level one match. Right. You know, and I see up around Atlanta. You know, I think it's the Atlanta Practical Shooters. They shoot like a they're 80 shooters. Yeah. You know, um, that that's a lot of shooters. So you kind of gotta weigh that out you know especially when you got such a small crew designing stages you know if you have a whole team mm-hmm. that's designing stages or you can leave them up you know yeah uh, stuff like that that you could shoot on two days you know the more the better but right but still so, challenge yeah it's crazy and it, oh it was cool i was gonna say i watched i don't know how old she was probably eight maybe ten i don't know but she had a really bad malfunction, bless her heart. And at level two, you can't, you know, have help. And so she turns around. I don't know if it was father or guardian. So I need help. And he's like, I can't help you. Like, that's the thing. And she ended up figuring mm-hmm. it out, cleared the jam and reloaded it. And I think there's a lot of people out there that have, I don't want to say preconceived things or judgment of, of juniors, but like, they'll have that, you know, they don't know how to do it or they won't let them do it. They are that's capable true. of it. Right. So. Yeah, and I don't mind doing that. You know, if, if you have, we have a junior yeah. shooter come out to USPSA and they, they, um, you know, they've never had a jam before. Yeah. But there's nothing wrong with letting them figure it out on their own. I mean, you right. know. I mean, she, and a lot of them can do it. Yeah, I was gonna say she probably shot a million matches, you know, sponsored and all that. Yep. But yeah. Um, just know that they are capable and to give them that opportunity, especially if they're safe. Oh yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, you you out there to steal challenge these juniors? They'll, they'll embarrass you real quick. Humble you. <laughs> real fast very quick grant crunkle like taking every division we're like just stay up there just collect the trophies yeah yeah i just actually messaged him a question the other day about talking about emailing people messaging him i messaged him a question about his pcc there you go that's awesome um and we'll get to that in a second it's coming up uh one of the tough questions but a good one and maybe you can't answer this but rachel duke asked um how can we increase, you know, women in this male dominated sport? Um, and how have you seen that change maybe over the years? Yeah, there, you know, I, I can't say that really, um, I mean, there are a lot more women shooters now than there were when I first started shooting USPSA, even, even at the local match, but it's still, you know, 5% of, of the match, you know, it's, it's tough. Um, I remember the first time I took my wife out to shoot, it was with a block 22, you know, and other people were around and that was, the last time she shot with me, I think, you know, I think it's good that, you know, this girl in a gun stuff is great. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I know I saw a lot of people are starting to do women only classes. I think it just kind of feel more comfortable, you know, make it, make it more comfortable like that and less threatening. Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like the, the, the ladies that come up and shoot with us, they have a great time. Yeah, they know. do. Yeah. Um, it's just kind of getting them out there, you know, it's kind of getting them over that hump of, you know, cause it, it is a male dominated sport, you know, it, it just, <laughs> you know tough question i know i'm not the girly girl but for sure i think the other ones or a lot of people that do do you like shooting them have all girl squads maybe if you can put them together right mm-hmm. um but i think having the people like you guys too y'all are very welcoming non-condescending like there's there's certain people too so how can we be welcoming not just to them but everybody so that's right don't judge don't condescend again juniors women all of that or other people in general right that's right um Okay, another question before we get to AK or the AKV and all that. But uh, Parks wants to know, um, how do you manage and balance having a kiddo, having a demanding job, a wife that you probably need to tend to, <laughs> and your love of shooting guns um, that sometimes requires traveling for a few days? So how do you do all that? Yeah, you just got to kind of, um, 
you know, it's, I don't get to shoot everything that I'd like to, yep. um, you know, which is fine. You know, my daughter's six, you know, I used to, co I coached baseball for years. Um, I quit that when she was born just because that's why I had a child, you know, I want to spend, I want to spend time with her. It's kind of, it's part of life, but you know, we, we, I mean, my wife's got her hobbies. So, you know, on the weekend I, I, t I take a day at the range and she goes the next day, you know, so we kind of rotate doing that, you know, kind of, kind of plan a little ahead of time for, um, you know, weekend matches, but it's, it really hasn't been that much of an issue, you know? That's awesome. That's awesome. I don't know anything about couples life, but I think it's good to have hobbies outside of your spouse or yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you have to. There's no, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I, I totally agree. <laughs> no, yeah, you do. I mean, you do. I don't think you can do every single thing together. Yeah. There's just, yeah. you know, um, so it is good to have stuff that's, you know, different for sure. I think it's helpful though. I, I mean, having spouses come out and watch um, and meet some of the, the people too can be very helpful. Like I'm, I just, you know, it's fun to share in the passion or just at least be there and supportive and all of that I think is, is really cool to see. Again, I don't know any of that, but I've seen it from meeting all of the spouses, which is cool. Well, and the only thing about it is, is, you know, one thing about USPSA is it's not, it's not much of a spectator sport if you yeah. don't know what's going on. Yeah. You know? um, I mean, steel, that's why I enjoy steel. I thought that if, if, if anything were ever to go mainstream for shooting, it would be like a pro-am because, you can watch that on TV and say, dang, they're doing awesome, you know, whereas yeah. if somebody's shooting a paper target, you can't tell anything, you know, for us, it's still fun to watch, you know, yeah. we still enjoy watching it because we learn stuff from it, but, you know, um, it's not that much of a spectator sport to kind of sit around and, I mean, because, you know, I mean, my wife could go out there and watch 10 shooters and they would basically look all the same, you know, <laughs> so, um, you know. Pasting too, you got to, you have other duties, um, so. All right, fun stuff to wrap up this episode. So we'll talk about the AKV um, that you hot you got. So yeah. <laughs> I was there for this. So my buddy Scott had yeah. it. <laughs> you yeah. touched it and then you bought yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So this is a this is a good story too. So yeah, y'all came for the yeah. class farming. Why did you not listen to me on the correct red dot the first time? Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that. So anyway, yes, you you and Scott came over and shot the classifier match, and he had the AKV, and I'm like. I'd never heard of it at that point, but so we talked to him and then he let me shoot it at the end and I'm like, I've got to have it. So Palmetto Star Armory, I'm not sure about them. I swear, I think they make like three guns at a time and they put them on the website and then like next Tuesday, they make six more and then, you know, or either they make 10,000 and they're like, we're only going to put two on today. So I start checking and I'd made up my mind that, that I wanted uh, a short barrel and mm -hmm. we'll get into that in process in a second too, but so I was either going to go with the, I didn't want to spend a bunch of money <laughs> too late, but I didn't want to spend a bunch of money up front, you know, um, like with a JP or something. I'd love to have a JP, yeah. but you know, I, I couldn't drop, you know, 1900 bucks plus, plus put a dot on top of it, yeah. you know? So anyway, so I'm checking every day, every single day. My job is, I drive about 50 minutes every day back and forth. So anyway, I'd been checking and checking and checking for weeks and weeks and weeks out of stock, out of stock. So I'm driving home one day and it's like in the middle of the woods and I'm checking, I check it and it was in stock. I remember this. I pull over on the side of the road and uh, it was like by the county dump and it's, I couldn't get any service. So I had to drive up to the top of the hill, pull over again. And so I'm ordering, <laughs> this is no joke. So the first one I click on is like the solid black one. Uh -huh. By the time I get to check out, 
I mean, I already put my credit card information, everything out of stock. Go to the next one. Same thing. So I get to the fourth one. They're, the first three are all out of stock. I get to the plum colored one, and it, by God, it goes through. So I'm on the side of the highway ordering this thing. You know, it was crazy. I love when you're like, I had to get the purple one. I was like, that's kind of cool. Yeah. yeah, I didn't have, I mean, that was the only one left. You know, did you get it Cerakoted? No, I didn't. It's still purple. Oh, God. So, but it's fun to shoot. Um, <laughs> so any challenges, yeah, with shooting, like, or how do you short barrel rifle it? A lot of people don't know how to do that. Um, yeah, so yeah. here it is, by the way, if people have never seen one. So cool. If you can see it, it's basically just an AK version in nine millimeter. They use, um, Palmetto State makes their own mags for it, but it's basically CZ, CZ Scorpion mags. Um, and that's the good thing about it. The mags, like you can get black mags for 1395, 30, 35 rounders. Oh yeah. And um, the extensions are 20 bucks. So you basically get a 50 round magazine for $35. You only need more so anyway, baby. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, oh yeah. So the red dot, we'll get to that too. <laughs> Being cheap. I mean, and really at the time, the guns were about $300 more than they were when I bought it. Yeah. But at the time I'm like, nah, I spent, spent all this money. So I ordered a hollow sun 403B, I think. You know, just a tube, tube red dot. I'd had it on a AR a couple, couple of them. And it's a good dot, but I looked at it and I shot it the first time. I'm like, yeah, because Scott had the, you know, the 510 all the time. So anyway, all we got. <laughs> I, I sell that. I sell the, I sell the 403 like the next day. Order the Hollow Sun. It was lucky because um, I ordered from a company called Kinsey's Optics. I don't know if you've no, ever used I them before. No, I bought a scope from them because of the name. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So anyway, I looked up. And, you know you i will search i like email everybody i know and i'm like hey do you have a coupon code for so-and-so yeah. and i couldn't find anything but i searched online and i got a like, rick birdsaw had had a code for kenzie's office for 12 percent off or something so i got a good deal on it so anyway i got that yeah so anyway <laughs> it's awesome the sbr process very easy after you've done it the first time i mean um so I did a trust. There's two different ways you can do it, individual or a trust. I did do a trust. So you can basically leave it to somebody and somebody else can take it if you wanted. If you put them on, you know, on the trust, they can take it with them. If I do it as an individual, I can't let you take this gun to a match and shoot it without me being there. Yeah. You know. Um, suppressor. It's your babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, I did the first time I messed it up. And see, the biggest pain is you got to go get your fingerprints done. Um, you got to get them on cards. And then you got to mail that within like 10 days of sending in your paperwork. Yep. So I messed up. I had to go do the whole process over again because I forgot one page. I mean, there's like 20 pages you got to do, you know. Um, but anyway, it wasn't bad. Once I got it, I mean, it was literally 20 days when I got when I got my tax stamp back. Um, and uh, now shooting an SBR, I think is, is I think it's an advantage in USPSA For when walls. it comes to moving around walls. Yep. Yeah. I mean, when you get, you know, a lot of tight fault lines and stuff like that, I think it's it's an advantage. Now, these guys like Max, um, you know, that are just ridiculous with their PCCs, you know, it, it's not going to affect him that much. But I think it is an advantage. And this is a 10 and a half. So it's not like an eight. This is just, to me, just the right length to be able to get my arm kind of out there some, you know, but not not be all uptight like a four-inch or eight-inch barrel, something like that. Um, now, the biggest pain, and I know why pro shooters do not SBR them, is because when you take them out of state. Yep. Yeah. So, 
So basically what you have to do is it's a 5320, I think is the form. You have to fill it out for a specific address that you're going to. Huh? Uh, now, I don't know how, I don't know how strict they are on that. I mean, I've talked to some people that said, you know, just say I put it in Dothan, Dothan Gun Club's address. I'm good anywhere in Alabama. Realistically, most law enforcement probably wouldn't even know this gun's regulated by the ATF. They just see it as a gun. You know, okay. you might look up and get the one that knows something about guns, but more than likely, you know, then you end up in jail. But, <laughs> but so basically, that's the biggest pain is, you know, so what I did was I filled out all these forms in January and you can, they last for a year. Yep. So you basically date it January 1st to December 31st of that year. And you got to put a specific range out. So I did the, all the ranges that I thought I would shoot at throughout the year. But, you know, the only bad thing is it takes about two to three weeks yep. for them to mail you back. And they basically just mail you back the same paper you sent in with a cover sheet that says, yeah, you're good. You know, but like they shot the AK Masters out in South Carolina. And I didn't hear about that until about two weeks before the match was going to happen. It's too late then. Yeah. You know? I really wanted to shoot that. I plan on going next year. I got right back from out of town. Was going to go, going to go. And I was like, I can't. I don't even have a gun. I was going to yeah. borrow one, but I'm like, it's too much. But AK yeah. I think, are the new new hotness, or at least AK matches as well. I mean, and a lot of the AK matches are still having the PCC side too, which is cool. But Yeah, that's nice. And this, I mean, the, only, the only negative side to this gun I bought, so TACCON makes Magwell and extended mag release. And, you know, the AKs are the paddle release for their magazines. And yeah. this is... The, the mags don't drop free, which in a in a moving stage, it's not a big deal at all because you're not changing mags anyway. In a classifier, you know, or like when I shot the Pro-Am, it was killing me, you know, because it was a three-second reload because I got to pop it and pull it out <laughs> then grab my mag, you know. But anyway, it's still the coolest gun on earth. So I had the coolest gun at, at, at two-gun nationals for sure. So. Awesome. How did it perform there, actually, uh, compared to, you know, the JPs, DaVinci's, MPX's? not the first and that's what me and bob talked about it wasn't the first first issue and i tell you i ran that steel case ammo the entire match you know the entire match out of that gun and it just it runs like a champ i have not had any issues at all with it that's awesome that's awesome so going back to you and wrapping this up too why is it important to make fun or make shooting fun no matter what you know we've had some people over the years that have kind of just floated away because you know they you take it you know, they kind of get burnt out if you, uh, you know, I don't know. To me, I go out there a lot of the part to hang out with people. Yeah. You know, that, that's part of That's to get around my friends. Now, I want to win. I, I tell you, when I get out there, I want to win. You know, I'm going to have a good time, but I'm not I'm not going to be out there happy with being 30th place. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, I, I do want to go win, and that's just because I'm competitive, and that's what keeps me going, you know, out there. And I'll shoot anything, you know, the two guns at Altus or the – you know, steel challenge. I, I like it all, you know, just cause I enjoy shooting other than standing on a range shooting, but, you know, hanging out with folks and meeting people and meeting new people, especially when you go to big matches, you know, you meet people from all over the country and it's cool to do that. Yeah. I think more people too should squad with still their friends maybe, but squad with people that they haven't met or they don't know. Cause that's how you meet new people. And it's really cool. I think I know, I know, I know <laughs> multiple people in all the States of the, of the country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And see, that's what I did the first, because a lot of the guys, when we first started shooting together, they would shoot on Sundays when we go to level twos and I'd have to shoot on Saturdays because I hate shooting on a Sunday traveling and then coming and having to go back to work the next day. Sucks. You, you know, but, day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, you know, <laughs> but you get to meet a lot of people the same way. You know, I think the very first level two I ever shot, I shot with Luigi Lee. I don't know if you know him, yeah, but that's he's awesome. pretty big. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So he knows. (laughs) Yeah. Good times. Cool. Well, any final thoughts that you want to leave uh, listeners with? I think we talked about just about everything. Get out and shoot matches. Have a good time. Um, any shout outs to any sponsors or people that uh, support you or the community? No, I don't have any sponsors. Kevin Beard. Any sponsors. Yeah, that's right. That's it. I'll spot my job sponsors. <laughs> my wife. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. You oh. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe one day. You know, the thing about sponsors, and this is me, I, I, I got a call before we let go and uh, yeah, from a glasses company. Not one that's really associated with the sport as much anymore um, about a sponsorship. So I'm talking to this person on the phone and, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm listening to it because it's like, well, you got to buy this jersey and it's got to have this. You can put anything you want on it, but ours has to be 10 inches on the front. You know what I mean? It's 85 bucks. You got to buy a pair of our glasses at a steep discount. They don't know what a steep discount is for me. It ain't what their steep discount is, I can tell you that. But anyway, um, you know, and so then they're like, well, then you get 10% off of this and you get 10% off of this. Well, once you're, once I'm already invested, I have my holster, you know, I have my mag pouches, I have my magazines, I have a gun, I have dots and stuff like that, you know. Um, So anyway, I don't know. I've never really, you know, kind of, I guess, gone after that kind of stuff or. Yeah. It would be nice. I'd love an ammo sponsor, you know. No, I would love an ammo sponsor. Those are unicorns. I love a pair. I'd love a pair, uh, pair of Hunter's HD Gold. It's Bob, so Bob, let me oh. tell you about Hunter's. Before I let you go, yeah, because I didn't know. I've listened to Brian's podcast um, quite a bit, and it's awesome. I think what he does for the sport is uh, is awesome. He's he's really done it good with the loaner glasses that you yeah. know. I didn't know you have had at the time, but anyway. So at the Two Gun Nationals, you know, the first day it flooded on us. Yeah. The first day we shot, not the day y'all shot, but the first day it flooded on us. Oh, but uh, um, we did all the stages in one day and worked the whole time. It was awful. No. Yeah, that was miserable. I would have never done that. would be better. <laughs> but, um, I mean, seeing the difference of Bob's, Bob's got a pair of glasses. Seeing that it, It's a world of difference. Mm. I mean, it is a world. Now, so now I know Steve and Parks all have some. So, like, when it's, you know, cloudy outside, they're like, here, look through these. You can't even tell it's cloudy. <laughs> So, yeah. So, clear. so yeah, if anyone needs hunters, talk to Kenzie. I have them. Yeah, I know. I know. I need to borrow some for a match. Then I may want to buy some. You just need to buy them. Buy ones, cry ones in that situation because I think eyewear is huge. And I swear to God, like, you'll never go to any other classes ever again. It's crazy. Like, crazy difference. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, anyways, um, I know you're not big on social media, but how could people, you know, reach out to you or connect with you if they want to come shoot, you know, talent range or have questions about all this yep they can look me up on facebook kevin bearden or they can join our uh, Tallahassee practical shooters facebook page um they can just send a message on there and we'll get back to them um and same thing with instagram i post some videos on there every now and then i'm not not real good about it but it's boudreaux b-o-u-d-r-e-u-x and they can message me through instagram as well um if they want to come out and shoot be more than willing to help anybody out that, that wants to come yeah, they're they're good people, guys. Uh, seriously, go meet my friends. I love them. I miss them. It's so good to see y'all every time. It's like a little reunion. But we got to squat yeah, up next time because I miss the shit talking. I know, I know. It's all part of it. <laughs> and the group photos. I remember the group photo. You just see Kevin. Oh walking. my gosh! How do you do that? So, geez, every like, but I think the first match we ever shot together was like. I think it was in Dothan. Every everything goes back to Dothan somehow. But and uh, I'm like, who is this? And you're like, we got to get a squad picture. And I'm like, I've, I've never done this before. What are we doing, squad picture? So we get the picture, and now 
now you do it everywhere. So I'm like, okay, I guess it's far. I've never done one. I don't know that I've ever done one since, but well, maybe we did. Anyway, it's cool. He, you know, you just on the top of your head, you hid behind a target. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that. But, I probably still have that picture in my phone. Oh, 100%. I was going to say, the one thing that people do know, though, if you want videos, content, pictures, or any posts, and you need them, squad with me, you'll be taken care of, whether you want to or not. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, man. Kevin, thanks for being on. Thanks for sharing all your tips and stuff. Um, and I think you're just an awesome ambassador for the sport. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, so thank you for coming on. Thank you for letting me come on. I enjoyed it. Anytime. Me too. So stay tuned for the next episode of the Reticle Up podcast. Thanks for listening to the Reticle Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Follow along on social media at Reticle Up or 3 Gen Kenzie.